Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, uh, some researchers released the results of a study on light pollution. That is the sort of artificial light that human beings in human cities uh, project into the night sky, which obscures the light of the stars. And their findings were really quite stark. One-third of humanity, one-third of the people on Earth, live in places where the Milky Way cannot be seen, no matter how dark it is at night. A third of humanity. For the United States, it's even more stark. Eighty percent of Americans live in places where the Milky Way, this, this whirling galaxy of stars that we call home, is not visible And you've got to drive a long, 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 long way to find a place where it is. Now, that was really striking to me to hear that because I remember so poignantly when I worked at camp. And on a clear night, we would go up to the ball field. The ball field was this, this open meadow in the high mountains of the southern Colorado Rockies. And on a clear night, we would camp out and the naturalist would come, or an amateur stargazer would be there, and would point out all the constellations and planets if they were visible, and also that gentle, beautiful, brilliant curve of the Milky Way, our home galaxy. And it strikes me that 80% of us can't see it anymore, unless you go real, real far from home. And it seems to me that something is lost in that. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Thomas Edison. Super happy he invented the light bulb and all, all of the other stuff he made, right? I love that I can walk around at night and not, you know, stub my toe or trip over things or fall in holes. We have motion sensor lights in our backyard that, you know, keep us safe from hordes of invading raccoons and skunks. I'm not opposed to light that we project to keep us safe at night. But it seems that something is lost, some perspective is lost when we can no longer see where we are in this vast expanse of space. My guess is that that some of you have seen this picture before. It, It makes the rounds on Facebook every once in a while, especially during especially stressful weeks. Right? It's a picture of the Milky Way, our, our home galaxy, the, the place where we are. And there's this little line here that's pointing to a teeny, teeny, tiny star way out on the outer fringes of this hurricane of light. And it says, you are here. Right? It's a wonderful reminder that, that in the midst of, of my life and, and all of the stresses and all of the joys and all of the triumphs and tragedies, all the long to-do lists, all the things I got going on, all the weight of the world that seems to be resting on my shoulders, it is good to be reminded that I'm just one little dude among billions of other people that live on this teeny tiny green and blue marble, hanging three rocks from a beautiful but relatively small star that's one of just billions and billions of stars spinning around in this beautiful galaxy that is one of infinite, countless galaxies, many and most of which we haven't even dreamed of, let alone discovered in this universe or 
many universes, as some scientists would claim. And all of that, all of that is held in the hands of a gracious and loving God. It puts my to-do list in some perspective to know just how tiny I really am. And yet, as tiny as you and I are, and as expansive as God's creative power is, nevertheless, God sees you when you cry. God hears you when you pray. God's heart breaks when your heart breaks. It's an amazing thing put into such beautiful language by the author of Psalm 8, one of the best psalms in all of Scripture. When I look into the heavens, when I consider the sun and the moon and the stars, all that you have made. What are human beings that you would be mindful of them? Mortals, that you would care about them? Who am I? Puny little me in the midst of all of that. And yet, you do consider me. You do care for me. And all that you have made. It's a powerful promise. This week we are continuing our series on the stewardship of creation, giving thanks to God and rejoicing in the gifts that God has made this wonderful place that we call home. And this week we're talking about light and fire, fire of the stars, the lights of the heavens. And I am painfully aware that on the week that we have set aside to to talk about light, we have witnessed some of our darkest days as people. People in this country, on our soil, were an explosion of violence and terror and hate stole so many lives and ripped apart the very heart of a community that we hold dear. It's a particularly hard week for those of us who have family and friends who are gay and lesbian. And we saw this horror unfold and we could do nothing about it. In a week full of so much light, it's almost the solstice, friends. And yet the world is so dark. And as I started to to ponder what that meant, I remembered that that study on light pollution. And I I began to wonder if maybe, maybe the, the darkness that we experience, that we feel, that we see in the world in which we live, isn't so much darkness for real. After all, the light is still there. All the stars are still shining. Ain't none of them died this week that we know of. But maybe we've just been putting out too much of our own stuff. Right? The the light that we create, that we have some control over, that we get to direct. 
that we've made it so much about us. And who we decide the light gets to shine on and therefore who the darkness covers. That we get to decide who to pay attention to and who not to care about. That, that it's our lives and our loves and our families that matter more than anybody else's. That maybe it's all of that fake light that we've been throwing out there that obscures the light of God. The guidance of the stars. So obsessed are we with ourselves that we can no longer see the star that led the Magi to the cradle that held the Christ. So obsessed are we with who we love and who we don't love, who we choose to shine light on and who we choose to sit in darkness that we can no longer be led by fire through the wilderness out of slavery into freedom. And we have lost our way. I don't know anybody who who doubts that we have lost our way. we got a lot of opinions about what that means. But how do you find your way when you can't see the stars? Now, of course, there's an answer. Sort of. I mean, for Christian people, the answer is clear. But not very easy. The answer is to look to Christ, right? I mean, Christ is the light of the world. Christ, the morning star born in Bethlehem. He's the one who can show us the way home. He's the one who can show us what it means to truly live in love and to bask in the light of God's glory and grace. But how do we look to Christ when we spend so much time looking at ourselves. Well, this week we have a great opportunity to witness what that looks like. This coming week, as I mentioned, is the summer solstice, longest day of the year, June 21st. After that, uh, the days will begin to shorten, right? And we will already be anticipating the coming of fall and winter. Sorry, it happens. (laughs) I know it just got hot, but Now, during this week, there's also a Christian celebration. Here's your kind of geeky church knowledge trivia for the week. Who can tell me what Christian festival we celebrate this week? Although I'm doubting many of you will be celebrating it, but you can. Anyone know? It happens to fall during the week of the solstice every year, and there's no coincidence about that. It's planned. Anyone know what's coming up? Huh? Sure, you can always guess. No, no, not the Festival of Light. I'll give you a hint. We just heard about him in one of the stories we just read. It's John's birthday. This week, on June 25th, we celebrate the Nativity of John the Baptist. I know we don't all have parties for John, but that's his feast day this coming Saturday. And it happens on this particular day. And it happens for a reason. Because in six months, it's going to be December 25th, and that's somebody else's birthday. Can anyone guess who that one is? If you don't know, I will take back your membership card. Okay? It's Jesus, always the right answer, right? 
Six months apart. Now, there's a very practical reason for that, and that is that in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke tells the story that Elizabeth, John's mom, was six months pregnant when Mary got pregnant. And so John is six months older than Jesus. So John's birthday is six months before Jesus' birthday. And so when the church decided to fix Jesus' birthday fairly arbitrarily on December 25th, then naturally John's birthday would be exactly six months early because in those days, women always gave birth exactly on their due date, especially holy women like Mary and Elizabeth, okay? But there's a more theological reason for that as well. You see, the church affixed the birth date of Jesus at the darkest time of the year, a time when the night was the longest, especially in a pre-industrial age when they didn't have all the light that bathes the skies these days. It was a scary time. And so they fixed that date to remember that Jesus is the light of the world, the light that scatters all the darkness in our hearts and in the whole of creation. That Jesus Christ is the light of God shining into a darkened world. And so Jesus is born just as the light begins to return, just as the days begin to lengthen, just as the sun begins to win again. And so six months before, John's birthday comes just as the days are beginning to shorten. And there's a reason for that. It's because John knew, and the church wants us to know and to remember that John was not the light. You're not the light of the world. Jesus is. You don't shine light into the world. God does. And you reflect it. You're a mirror, a prism. You're not the light. And so John begins to decrease just as Christ begins to increase. John's job was to simply point, to make sure that people saw who really was the hope of the world. And it wasn't him. And it's not you. Which isn't to say you don't have work to do, friends. But let's remember who we are. Let's keep our perspective. And remember that the true light that shines in the darkness of our hearts and scatters the darkness of our world is God's light born in Bethlehem. And we look to him. And when we do, we will see what it looks like to love without reserve. What it looks like to welcome the stranger and the enemy and to make them family and friend. What it looks like to give yourself away for the life of others. What it looks like to be willing to die, not to kill, but to die so that others might live. We look to Christ. And there we'll get our bearings again. There we'll reorient ourselves. There we'll again have guidance to lead us forward through this dark and dangerous world. Forward until that time that John of Patmos, the writer of the book of Revelation, so beautifully describes that time when Christ's light will be all in all when we will have no need for lamp or light or sun, 
No more flashlights, no more light switches, no more fires desperately trying to keep ourselves warm, no more candles held at countless vigils for those whose lives have been cut so desperately short. But rather, the light of Christ will be all in all. That's the day towards which we are being inevitably hurled by the light of the morning star. Watch for that. Even as hard as it is to see at times in the midst of all our crazy, watch for that light. And Christ will lead us home. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.